Hey, beautiful people. How you doing? How you doing? Hope you had a good fucking week. Hope you've been crushing it at work. Hope you've been having a good relaxing time. Still January, still peak summer here in New Zealand, so you might still be on holiday. You might be one of those lucky cunts that doesn't have to go back to work until, what, like the 16th? Just half of January. You just get, you know, on top of the week and a half you had at the end of last month, you're just one of these lucky cunts that basically gets to take a full month off every year and the during the best season of the year you know you know those 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 beautiful people those 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 positive influences on society we all know them we all love them they're all great people people that you know work in those fields and businesses where you know they get at least a whole month off and don't get me started on the teachers you know who you are. You know who you are. I know I'm for you know pretty close with a couple of teachers out there. You fuckheads. Getting six weeks off. Six weeks off away from the kids. You know. Just because just because the kids need a long break for some fucking reason in the summer. I suppose, you know. I don't know why that is. I suppose there's some fucking scientific reason or just some leftover bullshit. Or maybe it's literally because, you know, it's the summer. There's a lot of sun. Kids just get too crazy. It's just literally impossible to try and force them into a classroom that time of year and make them learn. I think it's probably that. Because I always remember, I think it's, you know, the month or two leading up to summer and the month or two after summer, they always suck at school. They're like, you're never getting anything done. Like the first first month of the year, last month of the year, like, you know, you're kind of forced to the last month because they always throw the fucking exams in there, but they always suck. You hate you hate doing it. You hate having to study. It's, you're doing it because you have to. No one's, no one's ever studying at the end of the school year because they like what they're learning. And then the first year, you're just so discombobulated. You're just like, fuck me, why am I here? So that's probably why. But in terms of like, being an adult and paying your bills. Like, fuck you guys. You get six weeks off. And no, don't give me this shit like teachers do so much of work outside the classroom. If you do, you're wasting your fucking time. Honestly. Like, during the school term, like, yeah, okay, you do quite a bit. But, you know, some do. Most don't. Most are lazy fucks. Most are lazy as fuck. But, um, yeah, man. Sorry, a lot of animosity out there towards the teachers. For the most part, most teachers I know. A good bastard. Some of my favourite people in the world are teachers, to be honest. But, uh, it's a shitty profession. It's a cunty profession. To be honest, it's a profession... I don't know. I don't know if it's a profession I'd ever want to do. I'd get in so much fucking trouble. i get so much trouble. Not, you know, not because I'd do anything to the kids. It, I, I promise I wouldn't do anything to the kids. I won't do anything to the kids. But, no, I'll just tell them shit they don't need to know. Nothing bad, just, you know, 9-11. Let's start talking about that. Like, any any question, like, God, heaven forbid, heaven forbid, I was a teacher during COVID, man, during the pandemic, especially when, you know, the old Vagine, Vagine was coming out. Kids ask me questions, I would have just been, I would have just been sprinkling shit there, here and there, just I'm like, come on, you guys know this is bullshit. Take your, take your fucking mask off. This is fucking bullshit. Come on. I would have gotten so much trouble. So, 
Yeah, takes a man better than me to do it, or worse than me, or better than me, I don't know, however you want to spin that, I think it's worse, but uh, yeah, yeah, so people that get loads of time off work around this time of year, you're the best, you're the absolute best, best human beings on the planet, you've figured it out, you've absolutely figured life out, you've cracked it, well done, you deserve a medal, you're great people. But anyway, what have you been doing this week, Matt, to get you in such a cheery, happy, positive, fun mood? Um, I don't know, actually. I'm actually in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. I've had a good day. Great day. Great day. Just finished up at the gym. Just got a nice workout at the gym. The Gaim. The house of steel. The house of lifting shit and putting it back down. You know, went upper body tonight. Hit the bench. Got some high rep bench sets in you know just getting that volume in just trying to build that base trying to build it just before we go back getting heavy and then just you know did some bent over rows and a couple other back and shoulder exercises to finish off and then you know like a madman like an absolute fucking unit just got on the boxing bag and got a wee circuit in got a sweat up and you know good well-rounded workout good well good Good, well-rounded fucking workout tonight. Good one. Got a good one in. Because fucking Lord knows I've been skipping him. Fuck me. But yeah. Yeah. Before we get to that, I was a fucking fucking idiot. Because I went to the gym straight after work. So I thought I packed my gym clothes in a bag that I took with me to work. So then I could put them on once I got to the gym after work. Because who wants to work out in the t-shirt and jeans that you wear at work? Well, nobody, and guess guess who forgot to put his gym clothes in the bag, so then he had the option of either A, wasting half an hour or 20 minutes of driving home, getting his gym clothes, and then coming back to the gym, or just working out in your t-shirt and jeans. Uh, yeah, that was me, I fucking did that, and guess what I did, I worked out in my t-shirt and jeans, and that was a dumb decision, dumb fucking decision, just sweaty as fuck, hot as fuck. The legs. And like, because I was doing upper body weights, I was like, I'll be fine in jeans. I'm not going to use my legs at all. But it was more, it was the boxing, man. Like, I was like, what the fuck? I could barely move around. I could barely, you know, I wasn't that bad. But like, I don't know, man. Not, you know, four out of four out of ten. And, you know, another guy was there. I probably looked like an absolute fuckwit. But I don't give a fuck. Got the job done. Got the job done. And when I was benching, it didn't make a difference. When I was lifting upper body weights, it didn't really make a difference. It was just, yeah. Yeah, and now I'm sitting in sitting in my sweaty jeans in the car right now. That's the other thing. Sweaty jeans. Not like a feeling that you get very often, only when you're a fucking idiot that wears like jeans on like a 35 degree day. But sweaty jeans, boys. Not not the go. Not the go. Not comfortable at all. Like, I honestly contemplated just taking them off and just sitting here smoking weed in this car next to this public park. Just in my jocks. Just in my underwear. But man, that just seemed a little bit, you know, just a little bit too, just yeah, not something I really want to be doing. But yeah, yeah. But anyway, I was, because I basically got there, I was like, ah, I don't want to have to drive all the way home and come back and ah, I've got to fucking do it. I've been such a piece of shit to start the year working out that I got to do it, even though, what are we the 12th today, I've worked out three times, 
three times and one of the times real fucking hard, other time not so hard and like, you know, going hard on the, uh, you know, just been going heavy on the, going heavy on the drugs that first week of the year kind of, kind of fucked me around a little bit in terms of just, you know, getting out of the schedule, fucking up my sleep, just wearing me down, especially over the weekend, so can't be too hard on myself, but fuck man, crushed it, crushed it while being that psycho weirdo cunt at the gym, at the gym in the back wearing jeans, working hard, going hard, so yeah, yeah man, that was me, that's me today, good day at work, still the foosball champ at work, we've got a foos, you know, I think I've mentioned we've got a foosball table at work and no one can fucking beat me, no one can fucking beat me, literally no one can fucking beat me, I haven't lost a game, I've lost one game in the six weeks of work foosball, one game, I'm playing two or three a day, five days a week, this record is insane, you can't be on my level here at Foosball, like, just what, conservative estimate, six weeks, five times six is 30, so two games a day, that's 60 games, I'm 59 and one, motherfuckers, at least 59 and one, this is not, this is unreal, so either I'm just the maddest cunt at foosball, just absolutely, you know, haven't really played it for three years and fucking coming out just destroying everybody, or these cunts are shit. And I think it's a mixture. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. You know, back in the day, me and Ralph used to play all the time with a shitty little foosball table on an old flat, and he would beat me almost every time. Like, he had a 90% plus one ratio against me. So, like, I know I'm not, I know I'm not, like... <laughs> There's a level, there's a whole level at least above me that I know, at least one level above me that I'm nowhere near, but like, these other, fuck me, honestly, Rolsey, I should just bring you into the office one day, just to, like, these cunts are amazed by how hard I can hit the ball, like, you know, and that's always been my strength, I've got a good power shot, you know, I've got the strong wrist, strong wrist, you know, use the wrist a lot, you know what I mean, not like that, you fuckwits, you know, from the rowing days, the rowing days, you know, you twisting the oar and all that shit, strong wrist, but um, yeah, yeah, these cunts are terrible, so dominating foosball in the office, just dominating the office in general, just being dominant, just, you know, dominating everybody in the office just with my physical presence and aura, and just being dominant at everything, at life, and being better than everybody, so you could say I'm crushing it. Just haven't been to the gym enough, but I crushed it today. So today I crushed it. Today I fucking crushed it. No, don't, you know. Okay, yes, I woke up this morning, 10 o'clock. Went and got some ham and cheese croissants from the shop down the road for breakfast. And then smoked a joint. And then did the fuck all for the first few hours of the day. Yes, I did that. But the rest, the last two thirds of the day, crushed it. So fuck you. Don't at me. Don't at me about this. But, uh, yeah, man, yeah, been, uh, doing some reading too, so that's another thing, you know, did some reading today, that's right, your boy's an intellectual, this is an intellectual podcast, been reading an actual book, not just listening to an audio book like a piece of shit, you know, no, it's not a piece of shit move, it's actually really good, no, I, I honestly, I prefer it, the only reason I'm not, like, doing that with this book is because, uh, it's pretty, I don't know, it's newly out, they haven't released an audiobook for it yet, but, 
anyway, yeah, reading, been, you know, good, good hour or so reading in today, reading a new book by an author, followed for a while, read, and actually read and listened to his other books, and his author, you know, he's been on Joe Rogan a couple of times, so he's probably not completely unfamiliar to you guys out there, but it's older Michael Malice. He's released his new book in the last couple of weeks. It's called The White Pill. And basically, you know, I'm only two, three chapters into it, three, two and a half chapters into it. Third chapter's a long one, so I had to give up halfway through. But, um, yeah, basically, the book's about the history of communism. Well, not even the history of communism, just the history of people fighting against oppressive totalitarian totalitarian governments in the last like 150 years most of that being under soviet russia and communism because that was the longest lasting one but there's a little bit of you know sort of stories of people doing crazy shit under uh under nazi germany and the first couple chapters are about anarchists in the late 1800s in america with bombs and shit, just fucking shit up, stories that you just never fucking heard before, that are just hardcore, and anarchists, man, we'll get into that later, but fucking, because that's another thing, this Michael Malice guy's last book was the Anarchist Handbook, he's, he's an anarchist, we'll get into that later, I might, you know, might go and do a bit of a deep dive today on anarchy after we, after I get past this wee point I want to talk about, about this book, but, um, Oh, there's a police officer. Hello, Mr. Policeman. Goodbye, Mr. Policeman. Please do not come by here and bother me anytime soon. But, um, anyway, the book, Michael Mouse. What was I just talking about? I had a point right there. Right there at a point. Fuck, man, I'm really high for this. But, um, Michael Mouse, Anarchism, The White Pill. Basically, so... One of the most fucked up story I've I've read in this book. It's in this, you know. I'm not going to spoil it. It's in the it's in the first chapter, and uh, so you know. I'm basically I'm just to get you into the book. I'm going to give you away the first chapter. It'll take you 20 minutes to read anyway. So I'm not I'm not spoiling the rest of the book because I can't because I haven't got there yet. But basically, the first chapter is about a guy called Lewis Ling. Now, Lewis Ling grew up, lived in America in the late, the late 1800s, okay? 1880s. This took place in the late 1880s, basically, this whole event. So, basically, Lewis Ling was an anarchist. He was in his early 20s. He was an absolute mad cunt. Just die for his political beliefs type bastard. And, uh, anyway, so in Chicago... In the late 1800s, there was uh, a, a riot, basically. I think it's the Haymarket Riot, or the Haymarket Incident, isn't it, or is what it's known known for. And it happened in Haymarket Square. I'm going to Google this again. It might be... I'm going to make sure I get this name right. Because um, Haymarket... Yeah. Yeah, the Haymarket Affair. The Haymarket Affair. The Haymarket Square, Chicago, in 1889. Or 88. Something like that. 
basically what happened was, so this was around the time in America that they were having the labor strikes. And I don't mean labor like the bullshit party run by Jacinda Ardern. I mean labor, the labor movement back in the 1880s when they first started, you know, the unions trying to push for an eight-hour workday. Basically, it used to be back in the day that the working class, basically, like, the custom was to work, like, 10, 12-hour days in factories and mines and shit and just absolutely grind your way down. So, basically, they were marching and protesting to get things, you know, make it a law that you can't really surpass an eight-hour workday. Something like that. That was basically the labor movement. This is why, you know, this happened in around this same time all over the world in all the main Western countries, and that's why we all have a Labor Day to mark this, you know, historic times when this happened. And in New Zealand, Labor Day, it's always end of October because that's the anniversary anniversary when those laws were passed here. In America, it's the 1st of May. It's the 1st of May. That's, you know, when Labor Day happens. Different times. Well, similar seasons both in spring but uh yeah so these labor protests were happening and basically in haymarket square in chicago there was a protest organized an event by some of the socialist you know socialist and anarchist bloody leaders political leaders put on to be like you know, we want eight-hour work weeks, eight-hour work days. We're tired of working ourselves absolutely to death. To death, we want a little bit of leisure time during the day. You know, so they they organised the whole shindig down there. Um, tensions had been high for a while. There'd been a few more protests. You know, a few riots, a few fucking police getting involved, going like, "Hey, calm down, you fucking peasants!" But nothing too serious. Just you know, but tensions were running hot going into this. There's this event in the late 1800s at Haymarket Square in Chicago. Yeah, you know, the whole day we passed, it was a whole day affair. They had different talkers, different speakers get up talking about why they should have an eight-hour workday. And, you know, fucking, yeah, fucking get on there. Now, different, you know, there's different versions of events. Things are unclear. But basically what happened towards, you know, once it started to become nighttime, I think apparently it was, I think it was about 10 o'clock at night, or 10.30 at night or something, and this thing was still going on, police basically decided to step in and say, hey, alright, it's late enough, it's getting late, everybody get out of here, go home, time to end this shindig, we've let it go on all day, it's long enough. Which you think would be reasonable, but... There was a group of anarchists that they were, they were accused to be anarchists. They got fired up and were like, no, nah, we're not leaving. And then a little bit of a, you know, face-off was ensuing. Nothing serious yet. But then out of nowhere, someone throws a bomb into the crowd. Kills a couple of cops. Cops get, you know, shoot out in shoes because it's the 1800s. And there's always going to be a fucking shootout. Bunch of people die. And yeah, I think, you know, I think it was like 10, like 20, 30 people died at this riot in Chicago. And it was a big fucking, it was not good. It was not good. It was not good. And the government was pissed off. They were not happy. So basically, 
they decided, you know, they went after these eight leaders. They were all anarchists. They were political leaders. And they basically accused all of them of starting the riot, planning the riot that resulted in the deaths of all these people. And they were all facing the death penalty. And, like, out of these eight people, only, like, two of them were actually even at the riot. And the other six had either already left or didn't even show up to the event in the first place. And, yeah, basically, long story short, I think seven out of the eight of them got sentenced to death by hanging. One of them got, like, 20 years in prison. And, yeah, shit was fucked. It was basically a show trial. They were made to be scapegoats. It was basically the government sending a sending a message to everybody of, like, don't you dare start riots like this again or we will fucking kill all of you legally. So, yep, basically, all these cunts sentenced to death. Like, two or three of them, before they were sentenced, were able to, you know, challenge it, get the death penalty dropped. But at the end of the day, there were five of them they were locked in 100%. State was like, turned down all their appeals. Nah, you cunts are going to get hanged. And one of these five was a bloke called Lewis Ling. Now, Lewis Ling was an absolute mad cunt. Basically, the, his defense, you know, okay, first of all, Lewis Ling loved making bombs. So that's kind of why he was a suspect. He literally was an anarchist, a political radical that loved making bombs and, like, was known as a guy of just, like, anything to further the cause, violence and death, you know, if necessary, to further our political cause is a good thing. This is basically this guy's mindset. Absolute mad cunt. Absolute mad cunt. Just wanted to abolish the government completely. Just anything. Fuck the government. Absolute OG fuck the government legend. Now, Lewis Ling basically said, you know, in court, I reject your authority, I reject your authority, I reject your authority, you know, his his lawyer's main defense was he couldn't have been the person that threw the bomb at the thing, because he was at home making bombs, and it's not illegal to make bombs at home, which was technically true, but still, I can see why he was, you know, his appeals got thrown out, just, yeah, yeah. But anyway, he's basically said in court, I reject your authority. What you're charging me with is bullshit. You know, I don't believe, I don't condone the government. I don't believe the government. So therefore, I do not fall under your power. You're killing me illegally for no reason. And basically, all you're going to do is just going to cause more, by killing me, you're going to cause more mad cunts to step up and further on the cause and just be a bigger problem down the line. So anyway, he says this, they sent him to death. Now, this is the day before. The day before he was meant to be hanged with the other four cunts. Somehow, he was able to smuggle in a small bomb. And had it hidden in his mouth. And then the day before he was meant to get hanged, detonated this bomb inside his own mouth prison guards went in heard a loud bang coming from his fucking cell went in see him slumped over in the corner over his desk in a pool of blood they pick him up see his jaws been blown off blood gushing out of his face like literally his bottom half of his jaw was blown off but he was still alive and still talking and conscious 
And basically, he was alive for the next eight hours. And he was basically writing, you know, they took him to the hospital part of the thing, the prison. And basically, they said he was writing in his own blood on the wall, hooray for anarchy. And basically said, you know, he basically said he didn't want to give the state the joy of killing him and making him a public martyr. And that he killed himself with his bomb to take the joy of the state taking his life away from them. So absolute mad cunt. Absolute mad cunt. But yeah. Yeah. Anarchy, boys. Anarchy. Now, no. If you never really... First of all, I'd... if you had to pin me down, you had to, you know, you pinned me down and you told me I had to tell you, Matt, gun to your head. What are your politics? What do you what do you believe politically? You know, everybody's favorite question. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure everybody's really on the edge of their seats looking forward to hear what this 26-year-old functional drug addict who lives with his parents has to say about politics. <laughs> I'm sure you're so excited and you really just can't wait to hear my opinion on what we should do as a society to help move us forward in the right direction in a political manner so that we can get to a happier, healthier, utopic world. I'm sure you really want to hear from my perspective what my political views are. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. This is your treat. This is your treat for, for lasting this long into this podcast today. You're going to find out my political views. And if, if I had to tell you, and I had to decide, and I had to put myself in a group, I'd say I'm an anarchist, you know. And I know some, some of you people that haven't heard it, you know, haven't really looked into anarchy, and it's, it's a bit of a meme, it's a bit of a meme online, like it's a bit of, you know, people think you're an, trying to be an edge lord, trying to be edgy, trying to be goth. They're like, I'm an anarchist, man. Fuck the system, man. You know, there's a little bit of that in it, you know. You can't get away fully from that. And that is kind of, but it's a little bit more complicated. A little bit more complicated if you haven't really looked into anarchy. And really, you know, back to this Michael Malice guy, because he put out a, his last book was The Anarchist Handbook. A bunch of essays over anarchists, from anarchists over the years, basically explaining the philosophy and the political views of what, you know, anarchy is. And there's a, anarchy isn't really a political view. That's the thing. That's why it's kind of hard to explain. Because, like, there's left-wing anarchists, like you socialist anarchists, the ones that basically want to abolish the government so they can live in communes in a communist society, utopia. That You know, you got those counts. And that's what a lot of those early 1800s communists were, that's why they were, you know, anarchists were, that's why they were working with the socialists and trying to, you know, help all that, those, uh, those labor rights and all that shit. But then you also got the anarchists on the right, the anarcho-capitalists, or what they call themselves. And basically they're just autistic incels that believe everything in the world and society should just be left to the free market 
in the marketplace and just everything should be a full-on like capitalist hellscape with no government regulation whatsoever and not really a hellscape because that's you know the government i think that would actually be you know that's that's kind of the side i lean a little bit more to you know get the government out of everything but basically to sum up what anarch- what anarchism is is basically you don't believe another person has the right to dictate over your life you don't believe that some fucking politician that you didn't even vote for because that's the thing I don't, you know I'm done voting I ain't voting anymore you know previous elections I've voted back when I was you know drinking the Kool-Aid like everybody else to to an extent never have fully but to an extent but I'm done voting voting's a waste of time and I don't believe some fuckwit in a suit who I don't vote for should have any say on what I can't and can do in my life and that's a fundamental principle of what anarchism is and that's basically when you extrapolate that out to basically everything in life and you know that's you know there's within reason too I can't you know that doesn't mean like I can say you know go up and kill somebody and you know I do but you know it's a, basically you know you can't just go up and do no harm because then you're violating another person's space and right to live and all that bullshit and that's fucked up so like crime and violence and all that so you know that's still a no-go for most anarchists you get you get some crazies but like people people when they you know people when they hear that term anarchy they think oh those guns just want fucking chaos and no it's actually the opposite the government is the largest purveyor of corruption and chaos in our society. They the the government has a monopoly on legal violence. Only government only people that work for the government, that work for government organizations like the military and the police and all that are legally allowed to be violent to other citizens. You know, and they, you know they justify this with their wars and their laws and arresting people and you know making drugs illegal and all that sort of shit so they can go fucking beat up some poor kids that just need something to bring some money and you know the people that can dish out violence legally and lawfully in society are the government, so they have a monopoly on violence. So if you move from a society where people who could leave, nobody legally could be violent, which is, you know, I know then then you're going to say, wait, but but how can anything be illegal if there's no government? But, you know, you can still have rules. You're going to still have societal rules to an extent, you know. We, we, we have societal rules everywhere. They're called fucking morals and ethics. Nobody lives their life, you know, that doesn't completely fall off a cliff without having their own morals and ethics. And human human morality is completely separate from government. Like, the government's able to do shit, and there's shit that's legal that's completely unethical and fucked up. 
and there's shit that's illegal that doesn't hurt anybody and is actually, you know, a good thing as a whole for society. And honestly, if you you know, if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you've lived through the last three years of all this COVID bullshit, could you imagine how that would have gone if there was no government? Yeah, there would have been some organization say, hey, there's this new virus going on around. We don't know much about it. Could be really deadly. Uh, you know, look after your old ones. You know, we're going to make this vaccine. We would prefer if you took it, but we can't make you do it because we have no authority to do that and no one's going to violently do anything to you because that would be really fucked up. And yeah, you know, if that was the only message you ever heard, how much better would the last few years been? That's, you know. So, yeah. Anarchy is my political philosophy. That's enough... That's enough political chat. I really don't like going deep into the political chat. But for some reason, I don't know. Decided to tonight. I mean, you look at that with 33 minutes into the podcast. But anyway. But anyway. Moving on. NFL playoffs this weekend. And it is a Baltimore Ravens plan. Today we got some bad news. We got some bad news. Lamar Jackson is not going to be playing this week. So, once again, we're going to finish the season, limp into the end, no Lamar, no MVP quarterback, just a decent defense and a fucking terrible offense, and we're going to get beaten by the Cincinnati Bengals and get knocked out first round, and no one's even going to remember that we even fucking made the playoffs. So yeah, that's what's going to happen. I'm not happy about it. We may as well not even fucking made the playoffs. You know. But I don't know, I know what some of you are saying, but Matt, just be grateful with that when you you know, when your team's healthy and when you got your star quarterback, like what what team with a star quarterback will go past the first round of the playoffs without their star quarterback? None of them. The Chiefs, the Bills. You know, they're not going past the first round without the quarterback. And yeah, I know you're right, and with Lamar and another receiver, we could legit be Super Bowl contenders, but fuck, man. I don't care. I'm a sports fan. I only care about the here and now. I don't care about the future. Don't try and get me positive and optimistic about the future. Fuck you. All right? The future is never guaranteed. We don't know what the fuck's going to happen. The NFL is like the most upsy-turvy, top-and-down league in the world. Like, we could be fucking 4-13 and 13 next year for no fucking reason because it's rigged. Because it's all rigged. The NBA's rigged anyway. Oh, if you listen to that one ref that came out and was getting paid by the mob to throw games, he, he those games are rigged. But, I mean, society's rigged too. It is rigged. The government's rigged it. So, yeah. I think basically what we all need to do is to get online and, you know, instead of reading the Anarchist Handbook by Michael Malice, we all need to read the Anarchist Cookbook. And uh, all learn how to make homemade bombs, all, you know, dirty bombs and nail bombs and just go cause a bit of fucking chaotic violence out there and fuck shit up. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's going to solve all of our problems. That's going to bring us to utopia, boys. 
it's going to just, you know, really teach everybody a lesson. And I'd, I think the negative side effects for us personally are pretty pretty negligible at best. As long as we stand far enough away from the bombs and don't get hurt ourselves, nothing bad's going to happen. But yeah, see you later, boys and girls and theys and memes. Bye.